Welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast. I'm the host, Jill Schilb, and I am thankful to get to bring you stories of everyday people experiencing the powerful work of God in their life through Jesus. Today, I get to bring you Jana Ray's story. Jana Ray has such a beautiful, sweet heart for Jesus, and you might find yourself shedding a few tears alongside of her. She speaks about how the power and grace of God protected her and carried her through her younger years of running from God. She started following God as a single mom and then later married a man that deeply cared for her and her daughter, but was not a follower of Jesus. Fast forward, and this past December, Jana Ray got to see 32 years of prayer answered as she saw her husband step into a relationship with God. He was baptized in our church, and it was one of the highlights of my year to rejoice with them. At the end, Jana Ray shares a hard new trial that she is walking into. I hope you enjoy Jana Ray's story. So Jana Ray, thank you for joining me on the My Chains Are Gone podcast. Like we were talking about before this podcast, it's impossible to know what goes on in the inside of someone, and it's impossible to know someone's story without talking to them. And so I'm thoroughly excited to hear your story today. Um, and I know that um, the people of Karis are excited to hear this because not I don't know how many of them know your story. Well, thank you for... Um, when you first asked me, it was like, okay, now i got to really put this into words. Yeah, just trying to think through it all, and I feel very privileged to have that opportunity. I listened to your podcast, and I'll say that almost all of them have left me teary-eyed, and or just knowing my brothers and sisters closer. Mm-hmm. And even the ones I didn't know, people that were outside cars or whatever, um, it's like, wow, I can relate to that person. Mm-hmm. You grew up in the church, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and so did you become a believer then at an early age? Yeah, I think it was eight or nine when I was baptized. My grandfather was the pastor of my church. Right. My mom still goes to church there. She's 87. So you have a heritage of of people who have been following Jesus for a while. Yeah. And so you grew up knowing the Bible. Yep. I, I was baptized and grew up in a time when, you know, you're born again. You're a born-again believer, and that's all you have to do, you know, is, is be a born-again born believer. But that whole work out your salvation thing just never really came up, you know, when I was growing up. And and, and I know I'm saved. I have no doubt about that. Um, but as almost 58 this coming Sunday, I now have the privilege of looking back through my life and see all the times that God was protecting me to I, so I could get to the point of sanctification process. Because mm-hmm. it, takes, it takes you a while to get there because you have to fully trust Christ. You have to fully have a desire um, to know Him closer. Trust Him as a personal friend. Have a relationship with Him. Being saved and knowing who He is and believing He is God's Son is one thing. But making that next step to really build a relationship with Him, to love God fully, to want to put Him first in everything in your life, that comes a little later for most people. And it certainly did for me. But I look back on all the ways that that God continued to protect me and cause things to happen in my life to draw me closer to Him. And many times I would draw closer to Him 
through a circumstance and then I'd fall back a little bit. And then I would draw closer, then I'd fall back. But he was always faithful to continue to pursue me um, until I got to the point where I was ready to really be his. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I was his and as far as I knew who he was, but that's a whole different thing than being his. So can you share some of the experiences that you had in your life that um, stand out in your mind that you know God was protecting you in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was not a very good teenager. I I engaged in some pretty, uh, um, well, behaviors I would have um, grounded my daughters for life for. (laughs) I used to tell them that you can't do or try anything I haven't done or tried or tell any lie that I haven't told. Um, I was, I was pretty bad. I, I I was a good student. I was a cheerleader. I was National Irish Society. I was all those things. But this was the 70s where you could get away with a lot more. You know, you could smoke a joint and then go into school and nobody would say anything or do anything to you. And I did that a lot. And uh, ran with kind of a rough crowd, but I was still able to uh, maintain everything in school and, and be, you know, one of the popular kids or whatever, but still had this other life. And, you know, all my friends knew. And a lot of my friends were doing the very same thing. It wasn't that I was the only one. Um, but God protected me through a lot of things that probably should have been detrimental to me that was not. I have one situation that I remember clearly and I still think about it often and I think about it every time I think about this this girl who she was like my very best friend through high school we're still friends we just don't see each other that often now but if I saw her today we would sit down and still have the same kind of conversations but we were looking for a party out on a county road just a curvy you know county road and hilly and all that and we were trying to find this party and it was off this gravel road and we wasn't sure where the gravel road was and you know we were smoking pot and partying had the music up and the windows were cranked down and we passed the road and we saw it so I started backing up and I was backing up on the wrong side of the highway and I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw this truck barreling I mean he was literally barreling down on us and I remember reaching over and grabbing Bridget and saying Bridget we're gonna get hit And about that time, he laid on his horn, and he got just past us. And I really feel like Bridget probably could have, she was in the passenger seat, and I really feel like she could have touched the truck. It was so close. Mm. And after, and he was, he was hauling these huge logs, you know, and it would have killed us both. Mm. And um, we both cried, but, you know, at the time we cried and we laughed because, you know, so I it was years before I really thought about you know God was protecting me right then Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have had similar situations but I know he was protecting me because he wanted me to know that and to remember that and to know that that down the road when I had hard times and I struggled with my faith that I could always remember that he loved me enough to physically save me then. Mm-hmm. That he had already spiritually saved me, and I'm, I'm sure that he had. But he physically saved me then for something in the future. Mm-hmm. But that didn't turn your life around, right? Oh, heavens, no. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Well, no, it did not. Because um, I was probably 16 then. By the time I was, I got graduated from high school, I left in June to go to school in St. Louis. 
And I found out right pretty soon after getting there that I was expecting a baby. And so I had to quit school and come back home. And um, back then you got married. You know, there were a few people who didn't, but most people did. The day I got married, my dad begged me not to marry the guy. And he said, you can stay home. You can, you know, this is 1980, you know, which things were a lot different than now. It's really acceptable now, you know, to go on with that being married but no no I had to try and so I did and um he was he was a bad influence he had been all the way through school high school he was part of the reason why I was the way I was and my mom and dad used to ground me for going out with him and stuff like that well that did a lot of good mm -hmm. so you know we were married about three years and honest I think two weeks after I finally left him he was actually arrested for selling drugs to an undercover cop and spent time in prison. So I got out just in time. I hadn't been doing drugs, though, since I had the babe, since I had my daughter. I had straightened up and was not doing drugs anymore, but he still was, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that was a turning point in my life. Um, I got a really good job that paid me well. Um, it paid for my education. I got two degrees, you know, it was just a real turning point in my life. And, and so God was protecting me through that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, two weeks from the time I left till he was arrested for selling to an undercover cop, Wow, yeah. which wouldn't have affected me even if I'd been living with him, but it was putting Jamie in harm's way or, or my daughter from him. And, um, so, so yeah. Yeah. And the grace of God in putting you then in a place of a work position that able enables you to go to school and do what you originally missed out on. And he provided me with an income that I would allow me to leave that situation and be on my own for a while. Mm -hmm. So that went on for a while. And then um, as a single mom, I remember one morning we woke up to go to, to work and Jamie had this huge swelling on her face. And um, by the end of the day, they were calling it um, you know, it might be a tumor and they were just saying all these kinds of things, took her to your nose and throat, you know, and they had me scared to death. And I mean, I prayed that night, if you will fix this, which I know you're not supposed to make, you know, deals with God, but he was, he was working in a way that he knew that I would respond to that. I will get her into church and we will stay there. She had not been in church at all since I, after I got married, I never went, you know, and never went those three years we were married. And this was a year after that. I still wasn't going and a year, maybe two years after that. So the next morning before we, we heard from the doctor, I went out driving around. I lived in Jefferson City at the time, found a church. This one seems like the one I should go to, you know, it was bigger, but not huge. And I just, for some reason, I was drawn to that church. And so later that day, we heard from the doctor and he asked us to come to the office. And so my mom and dad were actually with me. And um, we went to the doctor's office and they had determined through the test and the, the scans and things they had done that she had a blocked saliva duct. And all they wanted to do was her to eat as many sweet tarts as she could eat to see if it would loosen up. So I was thinking, okay, God, you have got quite a sense of humor. You put me through this stress, you get me on my knees, uh -huh. and um, you know that I'm not going to go back on my promise. Mm -hmm. And so the next Sunday, of course, in two days, her face went down and everything was fine. And the next Sunday, we started going to church there, and 
we stayed there until we moved to Fulton. And she's been in church her entire life. So just the first three years of her life, she was not in. That set me up for, this is how I'm going to raise my kids. Mm -hmm. I know my responsibilities as a parent. And I'm going to follow through. Mm -hmm. So it was almost, was it out of obedience then that you went to church? Like this feeling of like, okay, God's saying go, so I'm going to go. It wasn't necessarily... Sincerely, it sounded like because you were longing for a relationship with God, it was more out of this desperation of, okay, God, I get it. You're saying, go, it's for my good. It's for my daughter's good. Was it shame that kept you out of the church or was it just a sheer lack of desire? What was it that kept you away for four or so years? Um, Lifestyle and being married to someone who... Didn't even know what that was. Yeah, it was just lifestyle. It wasn't something that that our friends did. But then once you woke up to it, you're like, I'm going to go. And you place yourself there. You place your family there. And then how did you meet your current husband? I literally started praying for um, God to send me a man from a Christian family. I remember that being my prayer. Because my first husband was not. And... So I used to pray, just please send me a man from a Christian family. And it, I mean, it was a while, but um, I did eventually meet Brad through mutual friends. So after dating for a while, he was a smart guy. He took Jamie over to meet his parents before he took me. So I was kind of a shoe-in because they loved Jamie. She was this four-year-old or five-year-old cute little kid. And um, yeah, and they didn't have any grandkids, so... You know, and he was her oldest son. So I'm sure the whole idea of a divorcee was was really hard. Mm-hmm. But they loved Jamie. So he was smart. He, mm-hmm. he took her first. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> he was pretty smart about that. So we dated for a year and a half, I think, before we got engaged. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it, it's not a subject that came up. But um, he did go to church with me some in Jefferson City. And I knew his parents attended church. You know, I knew all that was going on. But I didn't ask a lot of questions. You know, I felt like God had answered my prayers. And it was really during our marriage counseling that I thought, "Mm, God really does have a sense of humor. Because I prayed for a man from a Christian family, and that's what I got. I just forgot to ask that he be a Christian as well. (laughs) Um, but I was naive then. I, you know, I felt like if your family, because how I grew up, if your family went to church, you know, you were certainly going to be a Christian because your parents were going to lead you through that process. That's not the way it is, though, with all families. That started a 32-year long praying for him. Hmm. I can remember when the girls were little and we, I always went to church with them and Brad would go and make his appearance now and then, you know, but there was no, I didn't feel like there was any feeling. It wasn't anything wrong with the church. I love that church, and I still love all the people there. It's just, it wasn't his time. And I think his time took a long time because God was working on me. I can remember my uh, pastor from my previous church, 27 years at um, Southside Baptist in Fulton, he would say, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep bringing the girls. Keep being faithful. Keep praying for him. Keep inviting him. You just keep doing what you're doing. 
and it'll happen. It's it's in God's time. It'll happen. I think the whole church was in tears. That was definitely awesome to get to witness him be baptized. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that was special for your whole family. Oh, it was, and uh, they were there the week that he he went up front. It was the one Sunday when they when the elders were up front instead of in the back. Wow. And yeah, which is you know they never come up front. And I just I mean he's been he had been white necklin it for a while you know I knew he I knew he wanted to go. I did not want to be the one to say you need to go because it doesn't need to be me saying that. Right. But Holy Spirit came across me and said you need to give him a nudge. So I just leaned over to him and I said Brad, all you got to do is step out and go talk to Derek. I said, I'll go with you. And he said, okay, let's go. And well, I didn't give him a chance to <laughs> change his mind. I was up before he was, I think. What do you think has been the catalyst in the last four or five years to uh, deepen your relationship with the Lord since coming to Karis? I think um, being more honest, um, not only with the people around you, but with yourself. Um, with why you did the things you did. You know, you tend to want to justify sin. You want to um, make a reason why you did the things you did. I did this because of who I hung out with. I did this because it was expected of my job. I did this because um, we wanted this. Or, you know, you find all kinds of reasons for your sin. And I think coming to Karis, um, the people just pointing that out. You know, I've had Becca Gaskin, <laughs> bless her heart. It's hard to have to be someone's mother, <laughs> age of someone's mother, and then have them point out your sin to you. Or point out what you just said that wasn't right, you know. Or just to... Say, hey, you know, that's no big deal. You know, when you do admit your sin, it's okay. God's forgiven you. Mm -hmm. um, when you're vulnerable with people and when you're transparent with people and, and they are of Christ, that's how you see Christ. Because Christ shows himself to you through them. Um, you can feel Christ's forgiveness when people forgive you. And tell you that it's okay, that um, you're not the only one, you know. Um, it's okay to admit that. We still love you. Um, where we would never hold any of that against you. Uh, we still value you. Mm -hmm. And that's how Christ feels um, about us. But having truly um, Christian people that are walking the walk and not just talking about it, but they're truly walking it, to say those things to you, that is Christ saying that to you. Mm -hmm. As we end, is there anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, um, I will share one more thing that, but, you know, just when I'm on this really super high, because 32 years of prayers have been answered, um, I have three great daughters. I have three great grand, three three perfect grandsons. Um, everything's going good. I have my own business that's doing okay. I'm enjoying it a lot. 
still trying to figure that part out, but life just seems great. My husband is, is saved. I'm, I'm hosting an MC in my, in my house, in our house. He's a part of that. He's, everything seems to be going great. And then, um, last Wednesday, I was told that I have a mass on my kidney, which was found incidentally through a MRI of my back for another issue, just a, a checking up of some previous things on my back. This was found. I have felt at first that, why now? <laughs> why, why now? Why are you now challenging me with this when things are going so well? But I know there's a reason. And I know that I'm in good hands um, with the doctor that I have, the surgeon that I have, and I'm in better hands with Christ. And um, that this too shall pass, and I'm going to rely on him to show me what it is that I'm to do with this. My plan in my sinful nature is to show God's love through it, but that's my plan. Um, I have to rely on him to make sure that that is going to happen. And I just have to turn this over to him and trust that the doctors, what they're telling me is true. We'll take it out and it'll be over and it'll be behind you. Um, but I know that they don't always tell you everything and they don't know everything. So there's fear. Um, and you just have to say, why now? Why, why now when things are going so well? But it is part of the process of getting me to lean on him more mm -hmm. um, to make sure that I don't take too much credit for things that are going good in my life right now, um, which I tend to do sometimes. When things are going good, I want to pat myself on the back, you know. Mm -hmm. And so is this God making sure that I remember to pat him on the back and not myself? Mm -hmm. I know that there's... Um, something I can do for someone else through this process. And I'm hoping that God can reveal that to me as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and if it's to draw Brad nearer, he can do with me what he wants. Mm. Because this is Brad's time. And I want him to draw nearer to Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. Help me to be that. And the reason I cry all the time. <laughs> I'm an emotional person. Um, always have been. I always have cried easy. I'm one of those, I can cry during a commercial if it's too emotional. Yeah. But I cry, when people see me at church crying, they probably always think, oh, that was going on. I cry because I'm so in love with Christ. It hurts me so much how I've hurt him. And I know I'm forgiven. I know that. And I know he doesn't hold it, anything against me, but I still love him so much that I, I never want to disappoint. And so I'm just emotional about that yeah. and so thankful for the life that, that I have and that the way I've always been safe and secure in his hands, mm -hmm. even when I was rebellious and... Um, had idols or have idols <laughs> and not relied on him, relied on myself and was patting myself on the back. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just so thankful for that. 
I'm just overwhelmed with joy. Wow. Well, thank you so much, January, for sharing your story and being vulnerable, letting the tears flow. <laughs> I was hoping they wouldn't, but yeah. well, it wouldn't be you if they weren't. Of so, course. Um, but at, it has been such a delight, really. It has to um, watch your family and um, see Brad come to know Jesus. And I'm excited to see what God does in Fulton and um, how he uses your family and you know you have um, hundreds of people who will be praying for you through through your health scare. Um, and yes, knowing that God has you, that God already knows what tomorrow is for you and for Brad and for all of us. And so thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I really enjoy listening to the stories of people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. It puts the trials in life, like work, marriage, and our parenting, into perspective as we see how God works in and through those to draw us near to Him, correcting us and breaking us of our sin habits. On the day of this release, Jana Ray is going into surgery to remove the mass she spoke of on her kidney. Please pray for her as she faces an uncertain near future. As Jana Ray expressed, She wants God to draw her and Brad near to Christ through this crisis and use her for His glory. Thanks for listening. Be encouraged and tell your story too.